Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Hello everyone, I am your host, Dr. Elijah Sadaful. In this episode, we'll be talking about prophecy and special revelation. So let's dive right in. Properly defined, prophecy is a verbal message that comes from God, is mediated through a prophet, and delivered to a person or a group of people. This message is verbal, not a subjective impression or an internal, mystical sense of things. This helps to explain why in so many places in the Old Testament we read, Thus saith the Lord. When we think about prophets in general, we are directed primarily to the Old Testament because Christ's ministry in the New Testament was the ultimate fulfillment of the prophetic office. While Jesus was on earth, there was no need for prophets because God was with us and speaking to us directly. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 to 21 says the following, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In these verses, the Apostle Peter uses the word prophecy, which is translated from a Greek word that refers to the utterance of a prophet animated by the Holy Spirit. The central idea that Peter was trying to push forward is that the canon of Scripture is not a collection of human thoughts or subjective ideas. It is special revelation from God. Hence, in the Bible, prophecy equates to an authoritative declaration of God himself. It is therefore infallible and without error. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 to 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. These verses tell us that the Bible is God-breathed. Many people think that the authors of the Bible were inspired by God and therefore they were the primary agents who penned the words of Scripture. That men wrote God's truth in their own language and were assisted by God. Part of this misunderstanding stems from the fact that many English Bibles translate the Greek root as inspired or inspiration of. This conveys the sense that writers breathed in God fumes and they were then energized to write. The proper meaning of the word is God breathed or God breathing out so that he himself is speaking to us. Understood this way, all the prophecies in the Bible originate from God himself who spoke his own words. This is why the Bible is so trustworthy because God is speaking directly to us. Throughout the Bible, God spoke to his people through the prophets, who were known by their unyielding allegiance to the Lord, their rigid opposition to idolatry, and their ability to perform signs. The prophets were very rare and also specially commissioned. There was no distinction between prophets and their prophecies because by definition, a true prophet would make true prophecies and a false prophet would make false prophecies. Truly, God is truth and without contradiction, so the Lord never gives a prophecy that would contradict truth revealed elsewhere. Because false prophets were a problem, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God provided a means by which sincere believers can discriminate between true prophets and false prophets. 
To clarify, Pastor John MacArthur writes the following, quote, From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible demonstrates four foundational characteristics of true prophecy. First, true prophecy is always verbal, the very words of God. It is never an impulse or an impression. It's never a feeling that needs interpretation. Rather, true prophecy is a precise message. Second, true prophecy is propositional. It is testable as either true or false. That's what logicians recognize as the law of the excluded middle. A proposition is either true or its negation is true. If someone invokes the Holy Spirit as the source of his prophecy, but what he says is false, God commands his people to reject both prophecy and prophet. Third, true prophecy is infallible. Whatever God spoke through his prophets was error-free and utterly unaffected by human fallibility. Fourth, because a true prophecy is verbal, propositional, and inerrant, the only conclusion to draw is that it carries the full weight of divine authority. Ever since the end of the apostolic age and the completion of the canon, only scripture can legitimately claim that level of authority. End quote. So let's briefly recap what we have learned so far in order to appreciate the weight of the prophetic office. God spoke his authoritative words through the prophets. The spoken word of God was subsequently written down and memorialized into what we call the Bible. Christians trust the Bible and all that it contains because it does not contain the words of mere men. It contains the words that God breathed out. In many ways, the ultra-exclusivity of the prophetic office placed a wedge between God and his people because there was no direct revelation of an authoritative word. Consequently, the prophet Joel looked forward to a future when every believer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would have the ability to receive, understand, then communicate God's revelation with clarity and precision. That future has already arrived with the incarnation of Jesus and after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Now, all those who profess faith in Jesus Christ have the ability to understand God's word and we can in turn intelligently relay that understanding to others. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul begins by writing about the unity in the body of Christ. Verses 11 to 14 then says the following, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ." As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. So when describing the gifts that God has given to the church, Paul writes that God gave some as apostles, or men who were sent into the world by Jesus as authorized agents to help build the church. All the apostles, like Peter, were also eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. All of the apostles have also been dead for thousands of years. The point is that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 14, Paul is writing his words not in regards to particular offices that will continue indefinitely, but in regards to some that will cease. So, Paul then writes that God gave some as prophets. 
does this mean in the present day that some people have the supernatural gift to tell us new authoritative revelations from God? The short answer is no. We do know that there was a continuation of the prophetic gift during the apostolic era when the canon of scripture was being completed. Once the canon was complete, scripture tells us that God's revelation to us is final, so there is no new special revelation. In other words, before the New Testament was complete, scripture was still being written and God had not finished revealing his word to us. Then, in Revelation 22, verses 18 to 19, at the end of the Bible, God makes it clear that his prophetic disclosure is complete. This helps to illuminate why Revelation is not only the last book in the Bible, but was also the last book to be written, roughly around 94 to 96 AD. Our Christian faith is complete because it rests on a finite set of objective historical revelations. We are not waiting on new prophecies or new revelation until the return of Christ. What God had to say in his word is everything in his sovereign will that he has decreed to tell us. Again, Jesus effectively closes the Bible by telling us that no further prophetic words are to be added. The age of prophecy is over as decreed by God himself. Now let's examine what relevance, if any, prophecy has in modernity. Nowadays, some people call themselves a prophet, and I do not earnestly believe most of the folks in this camp consider themselves to hold the office that Isaiah and Jeremiah did. Nor do I believe many earnestly believe they speak with infallibility and inerrancy. Still, we have to be careful in our use of language because biblically defined, a prophet is one who mediates a direct verbal proclamation from God whose decrees carry divine authority. In a very general sense of the word prophet, all believers are called to be prophets in that they are called to articulate what the Bible says to others. But the office of prophet has been closed for roughly 2,000 years. Indeed, what all believers are called to do in modernity is proclaim the truth of what God already revealed in the Bible. The idea of a modern prophet who receives new revelation in addition to what the Bible says is a grievous error. This actually attacks the fundamental axiom that scripture alone is sufficient. That is, anyone seeking a new word from God tacitly admits that something is lacking in the old word. Ultimately, God has spoken finally and completely in his son, Jesus. For those who label themselves prophets and think they are clarifying scripture or are interpreting the word for a modern context, this cannot compete with the Lord. The only thing that clarifies God's word is more thorough meditation on and study of God's word. What does this all mean? Well, the first acute application is that God, in his omniscience, already revealed himself in scripture. He therefore does not need to give us a special word or private revelation because he has already imparted us with the gracious gift of the Bible. Our knowledge of God and our equipping for life is already complete based on the prophetic word in the canon of scripture. Going back to 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, the text says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Scripture is therefore sufficient for every good work, not some good works or a few good works, but every good work. The Bible is the ultimate measuring rod for truth by which we gauge and measure everything else. We can therefore not only discern what is true, but also discern what is false. The second application of prophecy in a modern context is that we have to be mindful of false prophets. Referring to the end times, Jesus said himself in Matthew 24, 24, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Jesus was warning his flock that they ought not to be dazzled by the miraculous. We ought instead to focus our attention on God's revealed truth in Scripture because a focus on signs and wonders can delude otherwise sincere people. Because what we have learned so far, it is clear in the 21st century, prophetic utterance is not biblical. So if someone claims that God verbally spoke to them, this should immediately raise suspicions. It becomes even more suspect when we realize what the prophetic gift was used for, according to Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 14. It was for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the purpose, so that the elect can attain unity of the faith. Essentially then, prophecy is a gift for the exclusive benefit of equipping those who serve the Lord to empower them in unity and service. Biblically defined, prophecy never served a political, social, economic, or a personal end. So the age of prophecy is over and the age of prophetic utterances is over. But does this exclude the Holy Spirit guiding people in their everyday lives? Of course not. Remember, prophecy is a verbal message from God. It certainly falls within the contours defined by the Bible for some people to be led by the Holy Spirit. When we look in Mark 1.12, for example, the text explains that the Spirit drove or impelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. 1 Kings 19 verses 11 to 13 tells us that the Lord spoke to Elijah in a small, still voice. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that for believers, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and the Spirit is the Spirit of truth that will guide us into the truth. What this all means is that it is biblical for the Holy Spirit to use His voice and privately speak to someone internally. This is not a verbal declaration and is not prophecy and not an infallible, inerrant declaration. It is personal, private guidance intended for the individual. It is certainly within God's power to speak to his children, and many believers can get a sense or a certain feeling about a particular scenario, person, or course of action. But you have to be exceedingly careful. How do you know for sure that the deep inward feeling is the spirit? You don't. It could just be gas. Hence, whenever someone tells me, God told me to tell you, or the Spirit revealed to me, the first question I have is, how do you know it's God? We are sanctified by the Spirit and led by Him, but we cannot use our own sense of things as a barometer of the Spirit's actions. 
as it says in Jeremiah 79, our hearts are deceitful and cannot be trusted. Again, private guidance is not prophecy, but we can obtain some certainty about the validity of our guidance in retrospect. The Bible clearly explains that God's revelation always happens in the context of the drama of redemption, that is, bringing his people closer to him through Christ. So if in the present you get a sense that you should start a new job, for example, there is no immediate way to validate that sense is from the Spirit. If after months or more you look back and realize that new job puts you in a position to evangelize and guide sinners to repentance, then amen. And because the Spirit is a Spirit of truth, the Spirit will never guide any believer in any direction that will contradict God's revealed truth in the Bible. Now, if I have done a good job of explaining private guidance, it should be clear by now that this is a huge gray area and is thus unreliable. This is why you have the Word of God which is always reliable and which is always trustworthy. The third application is to realize that the desire for new prophetic utterances, special revelation, or clarification is the first step towards heresy and idolatry. Islam and Mormonism, for example, say that the Bible got it wrong and something more was needed. Islam claims that Jesus is not God and was merely a prophet and that the angel Gabriel subsequently revealed the truth of God to Muhammad in a cave. That truth is the Quran, which supposedly corrects the corruptions in the Bible. Mormonism says that the Book of Mormon corrects erroneous doctrine in the Bible, which got it wrong and so additional revelation was needed. Yearning for something more than God's sealed canon of prophecy always leads first to turning away from God's word. The second result is always a bold lie. In fact, the lie almost inevitably leads to a fringe cult or gross heresy. In fact, the lie almost inevitably leads to a fringe cult or gross heresy. The irony of questioning God's word is that once the doubter challenges the word, they never remain silent. They always inject other words to fill in the gaps. Is this not what the serpent did in Genesis 3.1 when it asked Eve, hath God said? It soon injected its own words by saying, you surely will not die in Genesis 3.4, which was a direct contradiction of God's truth. The result was the fall of humankind. Prophetic utterances in the Bible equaled revelation from God, and the desire for new utterances reflects a lack of understanding of what the Bible actually says, that the canon is closed. Consider what Revelation 22, 18-19 clearly explains. In that text, Jesus says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Yearning for prophecy turns people away from God, away from the Bible, and toward a so-called prophet. In other words, we turn from something objective, infallible, and inerrant to someone who is subjective, fallible, and errant. 
And when we think about this logically, novel prophetic utterances don't make any sense. Either novel prophetic utterances are authoritative and infallible, like they are in the Bible, or they are not. If they are, this devalues the closed canon and contradicts scripture. If novel prophetic utterances are not authoritative and infallible, then they are not the prophecies of the Bible. So then, what's the point? Thank you for listening. For more valuable content, including written transcripts, a bookstore, and online Bible study, please visit wcsk.org.